Hello, beloved listeners, and welcome to Snake People at the Movies, film criticism by people who actually like film. Join us as we dive into movies we love, movies we respect, and movies we wish we could unsee. It's the podcast where we talk about growing up and living queer, nerdy, and depressed online and at the cinema. From the kids who do their own stunts, just like Buster Keaton, it's Sneeple at the Movies. I'm Helena. And I'm Maddie. Uh, you've got just the two of us this week. Um, Ezra got eaten by uh, animatronic dinosaur, so mm-hmm. but it's okay. We've we will recover them in time for the next episode. But for the time being, they're just kind of, you know, they're dealing with the aftermath of that. It's very traumatic. So we'll get them for back sure. eventually. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> anyway, we're talking about practical effects. <laughs> <laughs> Practical effects versus CGI, or just uh, I guess I guess we kind of it, get into that sort of versus and the the cost benefit of of practical versus CGI. You know, I think we'll probably talk about like CGI does have its benefits. I think in literal episode one of this podcast, I was like, "Look, CGI has a purpose, and it's a specific one. Stop right. using it for everything." This is right. part two of that, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, but, but first, we'll do a what we've seen. I'll go first. I saw Jaws. That was it. That's it. <laughs> but it was the first time I had seen Jaws, so I really, really liked it, and it tied into what we're watching. Um, Yay. also, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, the remake, with two of my dear friends. Um, that's mostly what I've been doing off my off days. Uh, I've been real busy. I've been doing things basically every single night. We can't Ugh. go outside, and I'm so busy, so look at me, Mr. Popular. That's rough. Um, <laughs> I'm literally watching Jaws again tonight, maybe. Yay. <laughs> so that makes me excited. Happy. Yeah. I'm watching it with, uh, I just saw your note, I'm watching it with Higu and Stan. Uh, yeah, that's They what both I love that movie. Do. Yeah. Uh, oh, and okay. I, they were like, can we watch Jaws? And I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, we can watch <laughs> Jaws. Um, yeah, I, uh, hmm, where do I start? Um, I watched, uh, Dial In For Murder for the first time. I was gonna uh, say, can I clarify, fun. have you never seen that? I have never seen it before. Oh, I've loved oh, this movie. It's so enjoyable. Was, it's, mm-hmm. It starts out really goofy, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to be one of his goofier ones. But it, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's still goofy because mm-hmm. it literally ends with a dude like combing his mustache. But like, it's it's still very good and uh, surprisingly brutal to the the yes. actual murder scene itself. Was like, holy crap! Yeah, um, I saw it when I was in middle school. <laughs> oh, she's. Uh. Yeah, so, we all have that one. I saw Rear yeah. Window when I was in middle school, I think, too. And I was like, <gasps> yeah, um, good so, movie. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I rewatched Jaws with everybody. We did a we did a party watch, I guess, of, mm-hmm. or a party stream or whatever. That mm. was very fun. I always love seeing that. Um, I, <laughs> I rewatched Paddington 2 as part of my Rotten Tomatoes challenge, which was like, we said we were going to do back in like August. Yeah, and, and then life kind of caught up with all of us. <laughs> yeah, things just sort of happened. I, I part of the reason that I've been putting it off is because like I chose Hugh Grant, um, and Paddington Two is the highest rated uh, movie of his on Rotten Tomatoes. I had I had seen it at that point quite recently, so it felt kind of mm-hmm. weird rewatching it again already mm. and also it's not available to stream anywhere i had to rent it mm. on youtube so i was kind oh, of okay. like yeah i was kind of like well i mean i have to go and get it at movie madness but i just went to movie madness to get it and then when i started actually thinking about it um the movie madness is closed 
Um, so I can't yeah. go there. Um, but I just I just rented it on YouTube because it was really cheap and I had a very good time and I was slightly tipsy, not slightly. I was actually uh, quite. I was gonna say I believe drunk. you were quite drunk, weren't you? <laughs> I, I was quite drunk in a way that I was not expecting. I made myself a martini. That's one of the things that I've been <laughs> doing to be like, like <laughs> past the time is like. Mm. Uh, learn how to make different cocktails and stuff. Uh, so I made a Vesper martini, Ooh. and um, it was quite tasty, but it was it's very strong. Um, so I I was I was drunk while watching Paddington too, but it made the experience all the more enjoyable. Um, I watched the Andrew Haig film Forty Five Years, which was good. Um, it was a bit slow for me. Um, I think in a in a way that I was I probably expected. Um, but uh, it was still quite good. I just don't know if it hit me in, in an emotional way that I was kind of hoping it would. Um, he also did the other film, his his first movie, Weekend, which I love very deeply and own mm-hmm. on DVD, and uh, which does hit me in a very emotional way. Um, I also watched John Wick 3 for the first time, mm-hmm. which was very fun. The boys. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. We watched National Treasure just because I could. Um, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, watched Certified Copy on the Criterion Channel, which was good. I like it. It was good. It was it was very it was very well done. I you should never read the description of a movie before watching it when the movie is described as being mind bending because oh, mm. as much as you're like trying to not think about that during the film that that fucking phrase is going to just keep repeating in your head for me mm-hmm. over and over again like mind bending my where's the mind bend what's the twist where's it going to happen I, and the twist in certified copy is so subtle that mm. it's it's almost not a twist i mean it, it is but it's mind so subtle nudged that, rather than mind bent yeah, I mean it's yeah, and it's so it's very well done because of that. But also, I think I was focusing too much on my expectations of it, and I'd like mm. to see it again. Um, I had an acting teacher in school that used to talk about uh, movies sometimes, and he was like, "You should never." I don't think that anybody should watch movies with expectations, or you should watch them without expectations, because then mm-hmm. you're just carrying all that extra baggage with it to the movie we probably have talked about this before on the podcast um probably but my god good it's so right mm-hmm. um yeah i'm just like it's it was just so hard to do obviously because social media is so prevalent um oh yeah but uh i felt that last night because i just wanted to enjoy the movie um and then on wednesday leah and i watched uh on hoopla but you can also do this on youtube if you're interested um we watched the original Broadway production of Into the Woods <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because the on Sunday, the 90th, uh, Sondheim's 90th birthday concert, which was hosted and kind of organized by the actor Raul Esparza, uh, was on YouTube after oh, much Oh, I didn't realize that he was the one who was, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, he, That's yeah, so he cute. is so adorable. And it was so, he's like. They got it together and it was like being hosted through broadwayworld.com and he got like all of these like huge huge stars and also like 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 yeah just smaller stars as well. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. it's like we're talking like Bernadette Peters and Patty Lupone and like all of that and then also just like you know Jake Aaron Gyllenhaal Hall was there and Jake Gyllenhaal and some other people that I didn't know but who have done a lot of Sondheim shows and are big Broadway actors. 
and you know it started the stream started or the recording started and we and his he was in the bottom left hand of the screen and he was talking but he was muted and so it it went through like five different versions of like trying to get the stream to work on YouTube <laughs> until <laughs> Funny. And we were just like waiting for it to happen. And we were all like, this is just, this is just Broadway. This is just theater. It's fine. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we knew this was probably going to happen. Um, but eventually, thankfully they got it, they got it working and um, they did them all the musical numbers and various people came in, performed songs that they wanted to prepare for it. Um, and it was very moving and very sad and not sad, like in a bad way, but sad in a good way. Um hmm and one of the numbers, of course, was um, a lot of the songs were from Into the Woods. And um, mm-hmm. Chip Zine, who played the baker in the original uh, Broadway production of Into the Woods, sang No More. As I was literally just like, did anyone do No More? <laughs> yeah, he did No More. Ugh. And in his, like, he did a little, he talked a little bit about about Stephen Sondheim, you know, calling him Steve and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which a bunch of them did beforehand and then mm-hmm. sang the song in his living room and at the end of it he reached over and he pulled this piece of fabric um out and it was the hat that he wore as oh. the baker in oh. the original production and he just kind of held it to his heart and was like thank you you know um and it was like oh my god oh. <laughs> uh it was really moving and it just really felt like he chose that song i'm projecting of course but it really felt like he understood what that the song the meaning that that song could have right now and Mm. um Mm -hmm. it was really really sweet um yeah a lot of crying to be had um Mm. so we just we really wanted to watch into the woods so we did and it's great everybody should watch it (laughs) because it's really good and the movie adaptation just sucks shit it's not (laughs) it's just so bad um and there's something like the acting in the original is just so so good and it's so like um just i'm trying to think of what the word is i mean the technique is just so wonderful um i've always been nervous about watching it this was my first time actually watching it all the way through because i have been like yeah, it's it's like it's into the woods and I'm nervous that there's going to be some weird thing that I'm going to be embarrassed or cringy about the way that I sometimes are. But it's like, I don't know what mm-hmm. I was thinking. Like, it's a professional production and these people are just like top of their game, um, just making it look so easy and having a great time. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and that's what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I just to get into into the woods just just so so quick yeah yeah, yeah. uh i think into the woods is my favorite musical which i know is quite a thing to say um (laughs) but it has been for my dad did a production of it when i was in middle school and it just always stuck with me and i was thinking literally earlier today about how you get to the end of act one and you're like oh yeah this rules like everything's great everything's going good all the shitty people got what they deserved and then Mm -hmm. the narrator says to be continued and you're like (laughs) what (laughs) <laughs> and then I remember watching it with my dad. My dad was like, yeah, there's an act two. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then the narrator dies in the second act. And that's when you're like, it's what? So brutal. <laughs> it was great watching Ugh. it too with an audience mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. The, the audience mm-hmm. was reacting uh, mm-hmm. perfectly to everything. And the way that like when shit got real, 
which which starts kind of like there's a moment in the opening number which is mostly fun times and like exposition and then there's that moment where cinderella is doing the um the stepsister's hair Mm-hmm. And then all one of them suddenly just like slaps her, slaps really her, hard. yeah. And the and it's like oh, and like the the music stops, and like the audience was like oh shit, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so like when the when the narrator dies, it's like so it like happens so suddenly because it's like the narrator dies, and then Jack's mom dies, and then some, and then Rapunzel dies, like in quick succession, like all yeah. of those things happen, and it's like yeah, and there's no music. <laughs> And you're yeah. like, oh my god. Um, and when you're listening yeah, to the cast album, I realize that you have a moment in the woods mm-hmm. um, when the baker's wife is like, yeah, you know, I'll figure it out. I've got to find my husband again. But like, you know, moments in the, you know, life is made of moments, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. literally the beginning of the next song is your fault. And the first line is like, it's all your fault that my wife is dead. And you're like, whoa! Yeah. Holy sh-. So if you don't know the musical, it's like, oh, she died abruptly in there yeah she's like she yeah, like she sure does the number finishes and she's like wandering and all of a sudden like she's just falls into you a hear her scream yeah yeah it's like so it's so brutal and she's so um joanna gleason plays the baker's wife in the original mm-hmm. and is like so like charming and wonderful and um her and uh and she's really funny too and her and the baker have great chemistry so you're really um rooting for them in the entire show and they're like yeah. also like the most normal like modern characters in the show like where yes. everybody else is kind of like a fairy tale character they're very kind of like almost contemporary characters yes so agreed. um when she dies it's just kind of like cool 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 cool, cool. <laughs> yeah it's very it's very abrupt yeah anyway so that's why i was i yeah, I love the... I For cast recordings, I have a very specific fondness for the 2002 revival. Um, yeah. But the original Broadway production is so goddamn good. It's Even so if you're good. not a musical theater person, I would I would say it's worth... It's worth yeah. watching. It's worth listening to, just because it's such an interesting piece of media. Yeah. Um, and It's well done theater. Also, the last three songs make me cry almost every fucking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was weeping. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll get into it when we talk about practical effects, funnily enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into it. So, um, where do you want to start? We have, we God. both of us just went off. We have like five pages here. <laughs> um, five pages, um, uh, four, four, four and a touch. Um, well, I've been yapping my maw for about a good 10 minutes or so. Why don't you go ahead? Do you want to? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's hard because there's a lot okay well let's start where when i was thinking about what do we want to talk about this episode i was thinking about jaws and i was thinking about jurassic park Mm -hmm. two movies i've seen relatively recently that are both i think considered some pretty pretty big cornerstones of what practical effects could really do um and for jaws obviously i didn't see it until uh a couple weeks ago um (laughs) And therefore, I'm coming at it from a modern perspective, and there are points near the end where you see the shark a little too long, and you're like, yeah, that looks, like, a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, that does not detract from seeing that shark underwater and going, oh, that's 25 feet. There are boats <laughs> that are 20 feet long. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, that is not an unusual size for a sailboat. <laughs> is 20 feet so that there's a shark that's 25 feet is like fucking barf worthy almost it's just like so big 
Um, and the fact that they, you, you could talk about this more, obviously, the troubles they had with the shark, with Bruce, oh, yeah. which is so, I love that they named the shark. Um, but it, it's still so, it's, it works so well. Even, you know, what is it, 40 years later? Something like that? Uh, it was 75, so... Ah, uh, yeah, 75. Right yeah. about um, 45 years later, it still looks pretty fucking sick. Uh, and same with the, the dinosaur, the T-Rex specifically, though. There is there, uh, there's a Triceratops? Oh, it's been so long since Is that I've what that, sh- that dinosaur is? Which um, one? There's the dinosaur that they find in the field that's sick. Oh, yeah, um, that's a Triceratops. That's a Triceratops, yeah. yes. Which is the one that you see up close for long periods, which is, I think, uh, only half of it is, like, actually a puppet. I don't know if they made the whole thing. Um, but, like, they spent a lot of time standing right next to that dinosaur's face and, like, checking its eyes and checking its mouth. And it looks real. It <laughs> looks real. But that is absolutely a fucking mechanical puppet thing. Um, yeah. And the T-Rex also is obviously, like, you know, looking at it now, you're if you know, I mean, obviously you're like, yeah, that T-Rex is not real. You can tell that it is not real, but it still is so incredibly lifelike. Um, this is one of my favorite stories about Jurassic Park is when they were on the set. They had that, obviously they had that thing that was fucking clunky and awful, just like hanging out. Uh, and it was all mechanic, so parts of it would just kind of glitch out sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. and they were, no one was touching it, they were all doing their other shit, and the mechanics just glitched out, and the dinosaur moved, and everyone lost their goddamn shit. <laughs> People were, like, fucking screaming. Because even though they all know it's a puppet, it looked so real, and it moved in such a way that was so, like, truly animalistic. It's it's amazing that they were able to pull that off and the and the uh, triceratops. They both look so good. Fucking all these years later, twenty six yeah. years later, um, and arguably more terrifying, I think, because they're not realistic. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if from what we know about dinosaurs now, mm-hmm. or specifically mm-hmm. like T Rexes, um, it's yes. like that tweet that's like I can't remember what it is, but it's like. Oh, they're so cool, and paleontologists are actually like, well, they probably had like dopey, like wings, like a bird, and they had this and yeah. this and that, and they wore they wore socks with sandals and that kind of thing, like yeah, <laughs> um, you know, maybe a real T Rex probably would still be terrifying because they would be yes. much much bigger than us, and they would try and eat us maybe, um, yeah. but the specific way that like the the cultural image of what a t-rex is and how it's um how yeah, it's the 1993 and... vision of a yeah. t-rex that is presented in jurassic park is mm-hmm. goddamn terrifying yeah i think yeah, partially think... oh sorry go ahead no go, no go ahead i think partially because it is an animal you look at it, they're like oh that's an animal and i can't do goddamn shit to talk to it <laughs> All I can do is escape from it because I can't reason with it. Um, oh God, I just remembered when he when the the T Rex looks down and they flash the flashlight at it and its fucking pupil dilates. Fuck, that's so good. <sighs> Sorry, God, I just remembered that. I was like, and you're like, oh God, that's a lie. That's one of the things that they were like, oh, that's alive. Um, mm-hmm. Which is it's such a subtle little thing, but it it works so well. 
Um, and yes, th- could they do that with CG? Yeah. Is it fucking sick that they did that with a puppet? Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and, and, and I don't know how well, if they had done it with CG, I don't know how well it would have held up. Because there is some CG in that movie. I think some, many of those dinosaurs are CG, and some of them look kind of goofy. So, yeah, you know. Uh, what were you going to say before I interrupted oh, you? Oh, I was just getting into, like, all of the shit that went down in the Jaws film mm. set. <laughs> Please do. I want to hear about it. Um, I'm trying to see if I can, like, make it a shorter and not, like, rambling. I'm just, like, looking at Wikipedia articles and reading trivia and stuff. Um, yeah, the shark is named Bruce. Um, it was named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Um, oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> they named it after that. Um it was just, it kept on breaking down, but that wasn't, like, the only thing that was going wrong. It was just, like, a troubled shoot from the beginning. Um, they went, like, way over budget. The budget was, like, $4 million, and then it ended up costing them $9 million um, because of the problems with the sharks. Oh. <laughs> um, so the disgruntled crew members gave the name, gave the film the nickname Flaws. Um, let's see... There was, like, all the stuff with filming at sea, like, this unwanted sailboats came into frame all the time. The camera <laughs> got wet. Um, and then the orca, which is the, the boat that they are all on, the the last third of the film, began to sink with the actors on board. The actors were getting seasick. Um, oh, Robert man. Shaw, who plays Quint, uh, had to, like, went to Canada whenever he could because of tax problems. He was, like, binge drinking and, like he and Richard Dreyfuss like, Dreyfus, like hated each other irrationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was happening with Roy Scheider in the background just being like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> just like in the movie. <laughs> just like in the movie. Um, so there's all of this things, these things going wrong. Um, because the mechanical sharks were so unreliable that, I mean, and many people know this, but that, that forced them to shoot many of the scenes where the shark does attack people um, in a way that like you don't actually see it it's just hinted at shooting mm-hmm. from for example um, the shark's perspective like at the beginning of the film looking from from the shark's point of view underneath a person's body um, <clears throat> just seeing a fin just seeing it from above over the water and only seeing mm-hmm. parts of it um, so that it just kind of you never actually really see the full thing until like the bigger boat moment in at the last third of the film yes um, yes so it becomes something kind of completely different and therefore incidentally better <laughs> that yeah. way it just becomes a different movie and i think a more iconic movie that way um so maybe it was just meant to happen mm-hmm. um i'm trying to see what the this air oh yeah three mechanical bruises were made each with specialized functions um one shark was opened on the right side and was opened on the left side and the third was fully skinned and they each approximately cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars um and when it was built they never tested it in the water <laughs> which seems like something you should do so when mm-hmm. they put it in the water finally when they're at martha's vineyard it sank straight to the ocean floor and a oh, bunch of no. divers had to go and get it. <laughs> um, so it's that, it's that kind of thing where, like, you know, sometimes the obvious isn't meant to happen, I guess. That's a really, you know, silly way of, of putting it. But 
Jaws worked so much better because it wasn't what they were expecting it to be, which is kind yeah. of fun. Sometimes a movie is good because it turns out exactly how you wanted it to be. And sometimes you start a movie with no script and no shark and like three actors and you have no idea what you're doing. And, every, <laughs> and like, two of the actors hate each other. <laughs> and two of the actors hate each other and sailboats keep like coming into your movie when they don't not supposed to be there and it ends up being the first summer blockbuster so there you go <laughs> and then you have a fucking cinematic classic so yeah there you go How about that? That happens. yeah hey you know what's a good example of cg <laughs> yes paddington <laughs> sorry sorry i just scrolled up in the dog and i was thinking about paddington i was like oh i love that i love that little man I didn't what think a... about that. Yeah, he's a very good boy. <laughs> he's so good. What if Paddington had been a puppet? Do you think that would have been fucked up, actually? Um, I don't know if that would have worked. I don't um, know how cause... I would feel about Paddington being a little little mechanical puppet man. There's a very interesting thing where, like, you know, I talked about this later, I, I think, down my bullet point where I say why Muppet Yoda is my homie and why CD Yoda is my enemy. Um, <laughs> yeah we can go there next <laughs> yeah Paddington is meant to be the protagonist and mm-hmm. we're meant to empathize with him and so mm-hmm. having him first of all casting Ben Whitshaw you know greatest actor of his generation Genius. or whatever yes, of course. as mm-hmm. Paddington is like the first step and then I think it's you know imbuing him in the way that you can with CG a little bit more than puppetry can do sometimes with a sort of human like um, expression and emotion to his mm-hmm. to what he does Mm-hmm. And he becomes more of a, you know, people, I think critics have already said this about the Paddington movies, but he's a very Chaplin-esque, kind of Keaton-esque figure, like silent film mm. star, uh, mm-hmm. like a little scamp and everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like physical comedy hijinks that he has to fix, but you have to have mm-hmm. an expressive face. You have to have um, a, yeah, you gotta have an expressive bear to pull that off. Yes, exactly. If he was a puppet... I don't know if they could do that as much. Although he would have been very cute, I'm sure. But yes. when it's like the opposite with Yoda, where like I don't, the fact that Yoda moves like that and looks like that, puppet Yoda is like mm-hmm. perfect for Yoda because perfect. he's not quite right, you know, and he's yeah. an old as shit. So he he should move kind of weird and 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 like jilted and slow Janky. and kind of yeah. alien. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Counterpoint. So- Yes. Kermit the Frog is a puppet. Yes. Uh, and he's my best friend. And um, we do love Kermit the Frog. But he... Let's see. Let's see. What is it about Kermit? I think part of it is that he's he's a hand. Which yeah. <laughs> is because... <laughs> Like I am gonna, I'm gonna go further with that. Yes, but continue. I, the sentence "he's a hand" really just kind of got me in a way I wasn't <laughs> expecting. Um, because you could do so much more uh, fine expression work with because you've got four digits in there. <laughs> oh God, this is falling apart. You know what I mean, though, right? No, like you I, could make I, him gotcha. more expressive because rather than using a puppet that's like Yoda, where there's not like a hand in there, they're using like wires or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the actual phrase for what those are, but they're using something like that, which you could be delicate with, but it's just gonna move a little different. Whereas, like yeah. having you know, he's a there's a fucking hand in there. You could do pretty fine tuned movement with your fingers. Yeah. Um, so that's why Kermit can make such amazing expressions. Yeah. Of which I don't think you'd be able to do something like that with Paddington just because of the way Kermit is specifically shaped to be a hand puppet, which is why they could do that. Paddington is not. 
yeah. I don't think they would have been able to do that with Paddington uh, T Bear. Yeah, and there's something very there's like it's a different kind of comedy too. If that if for me if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. a specific kind of uh, a funny thing that Muppets faces do, which is which is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, which like it's it was just also like extremely hard to do. Speaking as somebody who had to do hand puppetry like that for a comedian, hand puppets show. are super hard. Actually, it's like really difficult. Um, I had a hand puppet that was my mm-hmm. good friend, and it was just really really difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm. but and, and also like this is sort of a tangent, but um, the guy That's who fine. directed our comedia dell'arte show, we were talking about the use of puppetry in this, and he was saying like that's why. Like Avenue Q to him doesn't really work because you see mm. the actors, and yes. as, oh, as well as seeing the um, the puppets. Like the reason yeah. that the Muppets are so funny and why we buy that, um, even when we like know that they're puppets, is because we just see them. But with Avenue Q, it's like, oh, huh, we're humans operating the puppets, and so there's we we're looking at the actors. We just are. Yeah, you um. <laughs> lose you lose some of the joke in there because they're making too they're like joking too hard about the fact that they're clearly puppets that you yeah. then lose the ability to take the puppet part seriously at all. Yeah, exactly. If you were meant to take it seriously, I don't really know what I mean. I do. I don't know, know what the point of, of the puppets in Avenue Q is. Why aren't it's the actors <laughs> just dressed like puppets? That's just what it, they should have done. It's just to be I- ironic that. Sesame Street. Oh yeah, that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's what anyway. McElroy would say. That's South Park. I humor. was gonna be like, oh, that sounds very humor. <laughs> Love it. Um, um. So Star Wars. While we're while we're talking about uh, yeah. Muppet Yoda, um, it's so you're so right. I, you know what the deal with CG Yoda is? He's too goddamn serious. <laughs> Yes, it's true. I think I think I think Yoda. They ended up being like, "Oh, Yoda's a seer. He's you know a master Jedi. He's a se-. and it's like Muppet Yoda is a master Jedi and a serious dude and like a good mentor, also a fucking nutter and a, a Muppet. Like yeah. those two things in balance, I think are actually kind of important. And the fact that they they were like, he looks real. I it's just I don't know. And also, it doesn't it. The problem with a lot of the CG in the Star Wars movies is it just hasn't aged super great so you look at it now at the time i remember being like whoa what the fuck and now it is it now i'm like yeah all right like he's fine yeah Um, but star wars has great practical effects yes i think what the issue before we talk about more star wars is that Mm -hmm. like he's serious yet muppet yoda does not have very many facial expressions Mm-mm. he has like mysterious expressions he has like expressionless yeah. his eyes get big and that's like kind of it like he has like a, a look of intense focus or whatever and those are kind mm-hmm. of the only expressions that he has to mm-hmm. see him actually frowning is kind of like what yeah why the, why the frogman frown it's a little too <laughs> why you said why it's said? a little too intense yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Yoda is supposed to be. He's he feels pretty not ambivalent, um, but yeah. you know when you first meet him as Luke, I what the fuck does that mean? When you're when, Luke uh, in the Adventure Star you know, Wars movies, yes. Yeah, when you're Luke, you're Luke. Luke. <laughs> um, when you're Luke, but you're when Luke. when you as the viewer first meet him, you don't know shit about this dude. You know he's a 
weird frog man living in a swamp and he's like beating up this robot and he's trying to steal Luke's food and it's like what is his fucking deal and you oh. don't ever know really what his deal is besides he's a Jedi master and you're like what what is even your background and he's like fuck you I'm gonna die on purpose now Leia's <laughs> no, your sister eat shit you just described that entire plot point from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi perfectly. <laughs> uh, exactly no, because if I had done it perfectly, I, I also would have managed to work in there. My favorite text post about Yoda, which is like, <laughs> when he's trying to get Luke to calm down, Luke's like, this is great and all, but I'm like trying to become a Jedi so I can like save the universe. And Luke's like, oh, too much of his father. <laughs> it's like, he just turned on your five alarm chili, Yoda. Please relax. <laughs> <laughs> you turned on your five alarm chili and Yoda's getting war flashbacks. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. What a real bitch. God, I love Yoda so fucking Pour much. Pour one out for a real one, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about other stuff. Uh, one of my favorite things in, in um, the prequels is in Phantom Menace specifically, they have the pod racing scene. You know, that pod racing scene that everybody likes so much. Yeah, you know, the pod racing. I don't remember the pod racing <gasps> scene at all. I only remember the video game that my cousin played in the pod racing scene. <laughs> is Close that enough. basically the same thing? Okay, cool. I think so. Um, you know, actually, the, the way the pods look actually still looks pretty sick. They did do a pretty good job with the CG on that. Oh, but the crowd in the pod racing scene is all painted Q-tips that they've got set up over, like, some box fans um, to get them to wave in that way. And then they've just, they've built a really tiny set and then just filmed it all the way out. So that's why you can't really tell. They just kind of wow. look like ambiguous shapes. And it's like, that that's amazing. That looks so good. That's such hysterical. <laughs> that's such a low-budget practical effect. That is, that works great. Yeah. Um. And then you got shit like, why does Jar Jar Binks look like that though? <laughs> like, why did he look like that? I I said in here that Jar Jar Binks should have been a costume, a la the Del Toro costumes, and well, I think I'm right. Is the I think, thing. I think, I think there should have the been thing. a person in there. I think here's the thing. I think ultimately, mm-hmm. what should have happened with Jar Jar Binks is that he should not have come into existence at all. Um. I disagree. But, I love Jar Jar Binks, but I, yeah, I, I as <laughs> and I understand that I do deserve to die for this this opinion, but I will you stand don't by it. To die, it's as a character. <laughs> I'm sure he has his uses. The way he is presented is extremely worrisome, um, mm. but mm-hmm. that's that is you know just just one of the many <laughs> fun things about. Can, can you hear my dog? Uh, oh, no, no, I cannot hear the young master. Okay, good. Um, he's barking. Um, one of the many man. things that's you know <laughs> problems with you know some aspects of Star Wars that's in Jar Jar is just you know one of those one of those things. Yes, he's. Um, <laughs> here's the thing I'll say about Jar Jar. Uh, he's not as bad as as some things, which uh, yeah. boy the bar is real low. But in terms of bad caricatures for races, mm. he's he's not as far down the list as he maybe could be, which is. <laughs> Boy, Star Wars, hate to know ya. Um, but, like, first, if, okay, first of all, imagine if uh, all the aliens in Star Wars weren't racist, because almost all of them are. (laughs) Yes. Um, But then secondly, 
Uh, what if all of them were people in practical makeup or costumes like the Twi'leks are? That would be fucking sick. Would have been great. Would be great. Would be good. Should more people uh, in costumes, please? Yeah. That good ones. Let me be specific. Yes. <laughs> because people in bad costumes looks bad appropriately. Um, but if they had done some like really well done, good sense. They had done some good costumes. Could have been real good. Um, I was also thinking, I, this is a brief jump back, uh, which hopefully will transition into another talk about movies, unless you have something else you want to say about Star Wars. Nah. Oh, uh, the matte painters, sorry, also the original trilogy, the people who did the seeds where they just painted on fucking glass. Yeah. Uh, God, those people are heroes, and those seeds look so good. So good. Fuck yeah. Um, but, uh... You know who what else also would not have worked if it had been a puppet instead of a CG person is uh, Smeagol. If that yes. had not been Andy Serkis just crawling around on some rocks, that probably would not have worked so good. Yeah, it's weird about that how that works. Um, I wonder why. I think part of it is because the way he moves, and we'll talk about this with other movies, uh, mm. is so lifelike. I think uh, mm. that delicate movement would have been super hard to execute with a puppet um and also you would have been able to tell that he was a puppet the the longer you know the farther away we get from lord of the rings the more you can look at especially if you're watching on a really big tv the more you can look at uh smeagol and be like yeah he doesn't quite fit in with everything else here he's a he's a little off um but it still looks super good uh yeah and he moves andy circus is so good we all know this Um, yeah but he moves in such a way that is very lifelike that I think would have been really hard to execute with a puppet of some kind. Uh, especially the way, like, the places they were putting him to, they would have had to have him, like, situated in specific ways to even move a puppet. And I think that just would have ended up probably looking stilted in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so CG does have its uses. There are times when it's, like, sure. very specific. Oh, God, sorry. I also just remembered when you could tell the difference between Gollum and Smeagol. Uh, mm, yeah, that's something that they would not have been able to do, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, or it would have taken a really long time. Yes, or they would have had to have a like a secondary puppet that they would have had to swap between. Yeah, um, which I don't know. It's the but... only way I'm looking down at like the witches because um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about like obviously that that's a Henson production. Not he didn't direct it, mm-hmm. but he did the special effects for it. Um, and obviously there's the infamous the Grand High Witch um, prosthetics, which are terrifying and horrible. But the thing that always used to fuck me up right good in The Witches when I was a kid, and I watched it all the time, um, was the mouse transformation sequence, especially the one that uh, Bruno goes through, um, which is mm-hmm. just horrifying to look at. And I don't know, I, I, I can't find any information just from like a cursory glance on the internet how they did it. I assume that what they must have done is just I gradually had different phases of like mouse makeup and had him do like a weird transformation thing with him like shaking his body in that horrible, terrible way and then sped up the camera somehow. Um, and then gradually put more and more prosthetics on his body. Like that's the only way that I can think of it. Sounds convoluted, so I don't know if that's how they did it, but it's really horrifying to look at still. Um, mm-hmm. 
if you not, if you don't have a body horror uh, problem and you're interested in what that looks like and are you know you know 50 50 on being able to sleep tonight i would suggest people listening <laughs> to go look that up on youtube um it's just so horrible but mm-hmm. yeah anyway I, it's, it's fun to theorize about that kind of stuff because there is like like for alien which i have up here and like um <sighs> 2001 like i was able to find some information about that with a quick googie mcgoogerson um mm-hmm. and just a like a, go- a little good old googerino like the 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 baby alien the baby that comes out of john hurt's <laughs> stomach you know the chest burster uh-huh. mm-hmm. um like that's a puppet um mm-hmm. also horrifying because of <laughs> oh that's not an actual baby in a costume no it's not an actual baby in a costume fucked no. up um, fucked up which is like it's obviously like horrible because it happens so quickly when it does happen but like i don't know if people remember to like after it crawls out of his stomach it like zooms out of oh yeah the room and it's like <gasps> yes which which at as someone who didn't watch that until i was probably in my like early to mid 20s at the time i was like i absolutely understand why this was so scary when this first came out mm-hmm. seeing it now it's kind of funny how fast that bitch moves yeah <laughs> he zoomed got the zoomies <laughs> he's got the zoomies and he fucking gets out of there <laughs> fucking... like, it's not not the place for me um... <laughs> me leave me leaving a video call meeting like i get it um but me yes the yes floor after my like on my lunch break yeah i understand yeah. I, I get it um <laughs> Yeah, but God, at the time, I could only imagine how fucking terrifying that was to see in a theater. Yeah. Just like, oh, God, why does it move like that? <laughs> I mean, the real terror, of course, as we have here, is, is the alien itself, which is which is oh, the chest first. Oh, so good. Just he grew up. And because, like, mm-hmm. part of the reason, as we're saying, is, like, that the, the costume is so thorough and the design mm. for it is so terrifying and truly alien. It's like, nothing looks like that. Um... But also having it be some dude in a costume makes it more horrifying because it just, like, it moves like us, kind of, but also it's not us at all. And it's doing really horrifying things with its teeth, Um, which you kind of also, like, connect when we talk about Doug Jones and his work in a lot of Guillermo del Toro's Mm -hmm. movies, like, Mm -hmm. um, in, like, Pan's Labyrinth. It's like, oh my oh, god. Yeah. And he's not even like I mean, he is kind of a villainous character, even though his his like stance in the story is kind of ambiguous, but like yeah. he's so creepy to look at sometimes because he's not human, clearly, but just enough. You're talking about uh Doug Jones in like the the As the Fawn. That's the Fawn. Isn't yeah. he also the hand eye thing? He's also the hand eye thing, which is worse. You're right. I, I for some reason like he's, completely yeah. forgot <laughs> about um, that. He's a, he does a few different things. Who was who was in the alien suit? Um. Oh, hang on. I googled it because it they've uh, they've done a few other things, and they are all pretty scary, if I recall. Um, I'm looking at Doug Jones's uh, alien right costume, now. dude. Uh, who is the who was that yes uh doug jones is the fawn and the pale man in labyrinth uh badejo hmm is that it hold on i just fucking remembered that doug jones plays uh the silver surfer in the fantastic four movie and he's voiced the silver surfer is voiced by lawrence fishburne huh that's so weird that that keeps happening that 
there's so many things where Doug Jones will be the body and then somebody will dub over. That's so wild. That's a thing that happens. Oh, it is, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, no, um, but I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, so forgive me there. I can't see a pronunciation on Wikipedia, but Bolaji Badejo. Yeah. Um, and he was a visual artist and actor, and he... It was the alien was his only role actually oh but like um, what a what a role yeah he died quite young i don't know if yes. he would have maybe done more oh he more. was six feet ten inches yeah i think that i believe that that sounds right sorry i'm, oh I'm reading God. the wikipedia page for alien right now yeah holy Blah. crap i was gonna pronounce this with a spanish accent uh, he was Nigerian, so I do not believe that I would be using the correct pronunciation. Yeah. Um, discovered in a bar by a member of the casting team. Mm-hmm. Seven feet inside the costume. <laughs> yeah, man. What a... Horrifying. What an amazing look that that thing has. It's I always forget that the alien is so big, and that's part of the reason why it's so scary, is it yeah. is it is improbably big. It is long in all the wrong ways, and it moves in a way that is both familiar and disorienting. Yeah. It's uncanny oh, in the best way. So good. Um, yeah, do we want to go to horror movies really quick, or do we want to hop back sure. to um, Lord of the Rings? I feel like uh, Lord oh. of the Rings is, will be a good segue into more CG stuff. Sure. My only, really, the big other thing I have for horror movies is I have The Thing, which mm. I've talked about before. I talked about it for our horror episode. Um, but there's a couple moments in the thing. I think it's all practical. When did the thing come out? The 80... 80... 82? Oh, I don't remember. 82. 82. I think. Yeah. Um, the dog. Uh, <laughs> the the first time the like you the that the dog just goes fucking wild, um, and it like bursts into this Silent Hill ass monster. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. It's so gross and weird and bad to look at, and it's it's so well done. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, now that I'm thinking about Silent Hill, the Silent Hill movies are fine, or whatever. Uh, but they're <laughs> basically all CG, um, and thinking about those... Are there dogs in those movies? Thinking about the Silent Hill effects versus the Thing effect, I'm like, the Thing effect just looks so much scarier. I think because it is... You can tell that it is real... Mm-hmm. Uh, that they made something real, even if you're like, well, I know that that's like a puppet or whatever, but you're like, but it looks, it. you can tell that it is a real puppet. It's close enough that you're like, oh, God. It's just yeah. a little bit more like, than something that you can tell is CG, because you're like, well, I know that isn't real. Um, right. There are some, some CGs where you're like, I, that looks real, especially these days, where like, that looks real enough that like, you can kind of suspend your disbelief easier. Um, but for anything, basically until, I would say, like, to the 2010s, um, there are lo- large swaths of it where you'd be like, I can tell that this is CG. Um, I think that's part of the reason why practical effects in horror movies are so effective. Because even if you can tell it's not real, it, it's it's close enough. is yeah. closer than the CG. Um, and it usually ages better, so if you go back and watch stuff from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s with CG, you're like... Yeah, this, uh, this didn't age super great. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like with Fright Night 
how we mentioned here, like they do the original prosthetics and makeup in Fright Night is, is horrifying to look at. And then they try and duplicate it in the Fright Night remake, uh, which came out about like, I don't know, like 30 years later, just about. Not quite. Yeah. Um, I think it was 2012, if I recall correctly. Yeah, 1985. Yeah, so something like almost 30 years. Um, So they try and make it look kind of like the original design because the original concept for them is really scary. So scary. But the original is like still scarier because of how pasted on it looks. Like it doesn't quite, especially for his girlfriend, um... It, like it doesn't quite look like it belongs on her face, which is why it's so scary. <laughs> it looks like it's been this sort of thing is like living there, and it looks like really grotesque and like punctured and and like it's like it's about to tear her skin apart. Um, and so that makes it just all the more oh! terrifying. Whereas like in sorry, the... I just looked it up the vampires in the original Fright Night, <laughs> which is why yeah. I just made that awful sound. Yeah, they're it's terrifying. Um, I would I think she's almost worse. Um, oh, she, she for sure is. Yeah, because it it looks like it is coming out of her skin. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Oh god, it. they're yeah. so scary. Um, oh <laughs> god, yeah, they're scary oh. in the remake too. Um, but especially her. Once again, she is very scary in the remake. Uh, yes. But I, you could look at that and think, 10 years from now, this probably will not look as good as it does. Yeah. Um, whereas those practical effects, as we as we just found out when I just Googled it in 2020, uh, <laughs> looking at it now, I was like, oh, God, that's so awful. That's so yeah, awful to look at. just not right. She has oh. kind of, it's kind of with her, with her mouth zone, it's kind of like no, what... So- um, it it looks like it's her skin is like peeling away from the mouth, like it's bursting out yeah. of her face. It's awful, and it's like actively bleeding. Yeah, it's awful, mm-hmm. and terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, like, yeah, I'm looking at a picture too of like the CGI version, and it's like you know, it, it does not they, look as scary. They tried, but it, her face all kind of goes funny, and it it's like yeah. her real face isn't. It's under uncanny. There. Yeah. So the um the effect is less grotesque. Um, yeah. <laughs> now she's looking at these pictures. <laughs> yeah, they're so. If you if you have the uh, the guts for it, look up Fright Night uh, original vampire. Oof, oof, to oof. Boy, they're scary. I like horror, and there's not a lot that bugs me. But like, God, especially vampire movies, no, not an issue for me. I I think about that sometimes. The it, the remake, <laughs> I think about sometimes. I'm just like, oh God. Looking at that now, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> just bad, think yeah. about it. Um, speaking of things that sometimes I just think about, uh, that is, this is not a horror movie, Indiana Jones, the first one, not a <laughs> horror movie, but that moment where their faces melt off, mm-hmm. uh, fucked me up as a kid. I was like, oh god! Oh. Yeah. As an adult, I still, I, I, literally, as I was typing out the note, uh, in the document, I, I finally figured out how they did that, or I think I did. I can guess about how they do it and it looks like it's wax melting or something Um, right like they made a model of their faces and then they right and then melted it and then sped up the footage so it Mm -hmm. melts like super fast um but like it's so it's so evocative Mm -hmm. um and it's like yes on one level it is kind of corny because it's so over the top so quickly that you're like oh god um but you do even if you're like 
even though you're thinking, oh, this this might be kind of corny, it does immediately evoke a like, oh. Um, yeah, because it's so wrong because faces just don't, don't do that. Faces don't melt like wax. They're yeah, not they supposed should. to do that. It's the power of God, bitches. Yeah, that's um, right. Fucking put that shit back. Yeah, put it back. Uh, yeah, and then, like the last crusade thing, I think they did something similar. That would have been, that probably was quite difficult. Because I'm thinking like all the yeah. different stages that they go through. And I'm assuming that, I don't think that they use CG for that moment. Because there's very little CG in the Indiana Jones. Well, that's not true. The CG in the Indiana, in Last Crusade specifically, which is the one that I've seen the most, is like, looks bad because they were using a green screen for like the zeppelin scenes or the the oh. um little airplane scenes when him and his dad escape in a little airplane and it looks fake as hell um but that's what they use it for and i don't think they use it for the rapid aging that my dude goes through i don't know what his name is when he takes the wrong goblet and drinks from it and he's like grabbing onto her to elsa and he's like Ugh. um i think that just might have made like several different models models i just kind of like flipped through them real fast yeah (laughs) which boy uh last crusade i think i've only seen once but i do actually (sighs) remember what you're talking about i'm like oh no i i remember that i've seen um i've seen the first one the most i've seen it a bunch we should like have a Tracy's night where we watch it with each other because i have seen i have not seen temple of doom at all and i try to like actually pretty recently and i um, I have only seen Temple of Doom once, and I it is probably my, it is my least favorite. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, Kingdom of Skull it's, is probably badder. Worse. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen that one either. But Temple of Doom is is rough from the get go. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, boy. Anyway, enough of anyway, that. Anyway, <laughs> Last Crusade I have on DVD, so anybody wants to have a party, um, yeah, let's, we should watch it. Um, yeah, Lord of the Rings shocking Mm -hmm. we've made it back to lord of the rings but lord of the rings we talk about a lot (laughs) it has obviously uses a lot of cg it uses a lot of practical there is very little in lord of the rings that does not still look good and this is the original trilogy um i think specifically uh the effects that they used to create an illusion of uh the difference between different sized peoples like um the, the thing, every time I watch Fellowship and uh, Frodo's in the cart with Gandalf, I have seen the images of the cart where you can see that Frodo's seat is like five feet back from Gandalf, and that's why he looks so tiny. And <laughs> every time I watch like it, it, you can't tell. You can't tell, yeah. I'm like, I know that he's all the way back there, but I can't, I can't <laughs> see it. I can't make my brain see that he's all the way back there. It's so yeah. amazingly shot. It's incredibly um, effective, yeah. Or when they had, oh god, what's the name of the guy that they used for the hand double for Gandalf? Um, oh, when I can't Pippin remember. looks in the Palantir, is it? Ah, uh, uh, shoot. I think his first name's like Paul or something. <laughs> it's a skull. Um, yeah. Uh, because his hands are so fucking big. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a body double, and I remember, uh. The oh my god, I'm a bad nerd. The the guy name of the guy who plays Pippin. I'm totally fucking blanking. Oh, Billy Boyd. Thank you, Billy Boyd. The dude I later talked to talking about. Yeah. Yes, yes. I love <laughs> Billy Boyd. Sorry. Uh, but I remember. Sorry, Billy Boyd, dude who listens to our podcast. Obviously. Um, yes, obviously. But I remember 
there's some interview where he's talking about it later and he's like, yeah, he's just, he's such a big dude that he was like cradling my face and it took everything in me not to just freak out because he's just so goddamn big. <laughs> and I just wasn't expecting it the first time I opened my eyes, you know? <laughs> it's so funny. But I mean, but it like, it you it's so subtle you don't even think about it until you're like, oh yeah, that's not fucking Ian McKellen and you're like well of course that's not his hands aren't that big but yeah. also like wow you just don't even think about the fact that his hands are not that big all of all, everything they did to suggest size was was just brilliant brilliant yeah well yeah and it's like they you know some of the stuff they probably didn't necessarily if they hadn't done it you wouldn't you would have noticed you would have been like that doesn't seem right but they did it in such a way that you don't notice it feels very natural uh, mm-hmm. Which is very impressive and very hard to do. Um, as Ezra likes to complain about fucking Thanos handing something to uh, oh, baby right. Gamora that like the sizing is not right. Um, I think some, doing something like that in CG can be very difficult. You know, I understand. That is not easy to do when you've got somebody who's very big and somebody who's very small and you're trying to like get the item to look correct. Um and the fact that they were like, you know, we're just going to do practical effects to just make that happen so that we don't have to guesstimate a size, essentially. Very smart move. Works great. Um, but I will say that, like, the Balrog uh, still looks amazing, too. Yeah, you know? it looks incredible. They, they were able to execute a huge amount of practical effects and also were forerunners in a lot of CG effects. I think that CG has... Uh, a place. I think CG is an amazing tool. Works great for uh, Paddington Bear. Works great <laughs> for uh, Smeagol. Or the Balrog. Smog is fine, if I recall. Um, I don't they think... Would you just say that it works great for Stuart Lethal? For what? For Stuart Little. Oh, Stuart Little, yes. Oh, yes. I think he looks fine. But I don't think they would have been able to do Stuart Little with a... I said, what if Stuart Little had been just a lethal puppet? <laughs> it wouldn't have worked, but just imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it for the sake of you, Laurie. Um, <laughs> Trying to put the sanity. fucking imaginary mice down. What have we talked about? I mean, we talked about Lord of the Rings. Um, they did. They did a good one on that one. Oh, I think I was talking about, like... CG can be good and sometimes is important. Uh, you mentioned the Matrix, yes. and I, I was actually thinking about how the effects of the Matrix, for the most part, stand up pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Did they build the set of the stuff outside of the Matrix where they're like in the ship? I couldn't say. Mm. I assume so. It looks like it is a set rather than CG. Are you talking um, about with, with all the pods or? Uh, no, not the pod part, the part where, like, the main ship that they hang out in. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that was built, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. for sure, sh- I don't know actually for sure, but I think probably looks like it was I assume built. so. The pod yeah. stuff obviously is CG, but that doesn't look awful either. No, um, I, I would be, that would almost be, I was gonna say that could have also been a map painting, but it was probably CG. Yeah. Um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you you put on there too, which is like, what a great example of real life and CG kind of put in together. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that they had the two interact is still just like so amazing. I always think about that scene with the lamp 
um, where he, yeah. like, ducks out of the handcuffs and, like, knocks a lamp over, um, <sighs> which is, like, a little, just a little thing, but it's, like, you know that he's in that space because of that. Right. Um, man, it's about, so like, mentioned with, like, parts of the Caribbean here, like, mm-hmm. using, see, using it to tell the story and, like, using it too much or using it, like, not in the right places isn't going to be effective. But mm-hmm. in parts of the Caribbean, when they use it, it's a really effective storytelling device because the the ability that the pirates have to turn into, you know, skeleton zombies. Um, mm-hmm. So when Barbosa walks into the moonlight and trans- transforms slowly like that, I think the, I think that the effects in, in Curse of the Black Pearl especially have aged a little bit. Like you can, I think yes. you can tell more, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever, um, there's ever a point where it's like, we have to make it so that they can't tell, which I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a very effective like visual storytelling. So the effects come right. really handy there. Um, I think like <laughs> the point that I made up here, I started talking about like Wizard of Oz and then I got into a whole thing. Cause like, Wizard of Oz obviously was like made in 1939 and we didn't have computers <laughs> so mm-hmm. you couldn't do anything with that so it's all like painted backgrounds and like studio sets and makeup and prosthetics um some of which were terrible for the actors skin and like yes. resulted in them having to replace actors because people were allergic to the paint and and everything yeah. and that's bad yeah but it, but it's like it's 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 fake and it doesn't look real and that's meant to be like that and I and it works really well. Um, it gives it a very theatrical feel, which is appropriate since like film is a it's a combination of many different kinds of art, but it came out of theater. And it reminded me like of something that Leia said when we were watching Into the Woods, which like obviously this was a Broadway show, you know directed by James Fine and like Stephen Sondheim wrote the music for it. It was obviously like it like had a had a generous budget, I am sure, and was a very big hit, won many Tonys. Um the budget I think really went a lot of that went to the set <laughs> and to the construction of it. Um I'm sure quite a bit of it went to the costumes, but she says that something about the costumes that she really appreciated was that they kind of looked like they came out of a community theater closet (laughs) you know they don't really they're kind of cheap looking and kind of and like you know not very impressive but it but it it works for for what it is um Mm -hmm. and you know that reminded me of like we're talking about cats (laughs) and how much better the the stage show works than the movie because there's no pretension to like we don't we don't really think that they're cats we don't know I mean, maybe there are some, some very very small children who go to cats that are like oh my god those cats are dancing but i don't even think a small child is thinking that because usually a child has seen a real cat and knows what a real cat looks like you know yes um it's very cool and i and i understand the compulsion um it's very innovative to want to make things look as real as possible but like there's a certain like kind of theatrical magic in simple things like practicals and prosthetics and painted backgrounds um and people in cat jumpsuits with cat makeup because i I, for me personally i don't know if this is how it is for everyone but i think that i don't think that the point of film or theater is to convince us wholeheartedly that something is real because real is not the same thing as believable um 
I don't like when we go to the theater. I don't. I I know that I'm going to the theater. I'm making the choice to go see a show. I know it's not real. It's the same thing for when I go to see a movie. It's not about making us forget that the thing is imaginary. It's about sweeping us in anyway, even while we know that the thing isn't real. Um, I don't know if this is anything, but I wrote down it's art, not a Turing test. Um, you know, we don't have to be convinced that it's that it's like, I don't know, virtual reality or something like people are saying that, you know, some people are saying that, you know, what a virtual reality stuff eclipses film as a mode of entertainment. And I just don't think that that's something that's going to happen because it's not the same thing. Um, so I feel like that those movies that were, that use that kind of simple approach sometimes and movies that use CG really effectively and use it to tell a story and use it to serve the story that they're telling are the where the real successes are, not just the movies that are using it to prove that they can make something look as real as possible. Yes. Um, agreed. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That was my long rant inspired by The Wizard of Oz. Um <laughs> <laughs> I also have something in here about Sherlock Jr. We mentioned Buster Keaton at mm-hmm. the very beginning, and there's a movie called Sherlock Jr. that he did in 1924 that there's an effect that involves a fence and a suitcase in that movie that I still don't even know how it is done. I can't even tell mm-hmm. how it works. He like he like he's running from the police or something, and he jumps into a suitcase and he comes back out somewhere else, and it's like I don't how <laughs> I don't understand how you did that. Um, and of course he was constantly doing his own stunts and like risking yes. his life every day to like do something stupid and unnecessary. And I, I love him for that. And, and um, we love and respect him because God, that shit ain't easy. Shit ain't easy. Mm-mm. But yeah, anything, what else? Jim uh, you have not talked about 2001 A Space Odyssey yet. <gasps> oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I have not seen, but I know is a technical fucking wonderland. Yeah, I found a, I was thinking about the, I found a, uh, a website called, like, that's dedicated to 2001, it's called the 2001 Archive, I guess, um, mm-hmm. that talks about the effects, and it's all practical, um, that was made in 69, mm-hmm. um, and of course Kubrick being the person that he has wanted it all to look as real as fucking possible, um, mm-hmm. no slip-ups, so what they did was they used, it was one of the first films apparently, and I'm quoting, to use uh, front projection, which is a technique where photography is projected from the front of the set onto a reflective surface. So the prehistoric mm-hmm. Africa scenes at the very beginning are filmed at the studio, and then second unit photography projected onto a screen behind the actors measuring 40 feet by 90 feet to provide the illusion of an outdoor scene. So similar to kind of the matte painting technique, um, mm. but using photography. Um, the more traditional technique of rear projection was reserved mainly for the many video displays and computer computer monitors that appeared in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stargate, the infamous Stargate sequence at the towards the end, where it's just this guy going through a stream of whirling lights and colors, which is similar to a sequence in Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was also, um, the visual effects for that were also done by the same guy, Douglas Tr- uh, Trumbull. Um when Spock melds my melds with Viger, um, they uh, it's, it's a machine called the slit scan, 
which allowed the filming of two seemingly infinite planes of exposure. Additional effects for the sequence were created applying different colored filters to aerial landscape footage and filming interacting chemicals, um, which is like wild and I have no idea Amazing. <laughs> how to do that. Um, I mean, it, it lays it out for me and I still wouldn't understand how that worked. Um, there was like to the anti-gravity stuff they said to make a stray pen float in a weightless environment it was attached to a rotating glass disc simple as that um the illusion of astronauts floating in space was created by hanging stunt performers upside down with wires from the ceiling of the studio often for hours at a time which i'm sure was fantastic um yeah it's just like <sighs> fucking incredible there's there's so many things that you could do with practicals um mm-hmm. that like and this doesn't even begin to cover everything in 2001 because there's also like the space station and the monolith and like all of that stuff that's in there. Um, yeah. That was just a way of talking about 2001 Space Odyssey. There's no real point to that. <laughs> no, but it's 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 definitely a way to showcase how interesting and creative being... I don't want to say limited, but I, mm-hmm. that is kind of what I mean, limited to practical effects. Yeah. Um, it is amazing what you can then do. CG is great because CG opens the opportunities for things that you can do, but practical is great because it requires you to think within limited boundaries to do really amazing stuff. I think both of them could be very cool in very different ways. Yeah. Um, but, but it is amazing hearing about, like, here's how we did this thing using only practical effects and it's like whoa holy shit i don't even understand how you did that yeah uh and and it's very cool um you mentioned here uh using only real locations for the fall yeah which is like it's it's amazing looking at so many of those places because you're like that can't be a real place and all of them are you could go to those places feasibly i guess maybe not but you know (laughs) in an ideal world you could go to all of those places yeah. Uh, which, talk about something that's understated, especially for, for sci-fi movies, I think, uh, doing alien planets. There are so mm-hmm. many goddamn strange places on this Earth that you can go to. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to really be said for using a actual filming on location um, mm-hmm. rather than filming in, in a set. Though there are some things that, like, filming in a set, I think, works super great. Uh, yeah. But boy, like, is there something not just exceedingly cool about filming in a in a weird location yeah my dad and i were watching rewatching the original series star trek right now mm-hmm. and of course we like to make fun a little bit of the sets from time to time oh, because course. they yeah. they do just like beam down they look kind of goofy and it's like yeah sure this is a planet of rocks and you're like this is the same planet from this place but the light filter is different it's like this yeah. is a, a rocky planet with styrofoam rocks but the color is uh-huh. purple this is yes. a planet with rocks but the color of the sky is orange um, yeah, 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 God bless it. <laughs> but they make up for it, and I think especially later on, of course, they make up for it with um, the amazing makeup and prosthetics that they, oh, they yes. largely use. Um, yeah, Star Trek is a... is a, <clears throat> uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. <clears throat> Star Trek has a lot of great prosthetics that always has... Their, yeah. their makeup has always been just out of the park. Fresh to death, yeah. I think I think later on they were more committed to making it just wild. I, I was actually talking about this a little bit because I was uh, on Twitter because I was rewatching an episode of Next Generation. That was an incredibly horny episode of Next Generation, like most episodes of uh, Star Trek are. Um, and it was one where like 
uh, Worf has an old girlfriend come and visit the starship and, you know, they have energy. And I was thinking about, like, how Star Trek is always, like, committed to having super, like, weird-looking aliens later on with very heavy prosthetics and fake foreheads and fake everything. Mm -hmm. um, And still being like, oh, oh, yeah, and they fuck. Like, for sure, they fuck. (laughs) Um, Also, they're horny. (laughs) And also, they're they're horny all the Mm -hmm. time. Um, I just really love that because that is the one thing about, like, original series is that there's less of that kind of, like... most of the aliens still do look pretty normal. And you're like, yes, these are the Telosians actually look pretty fucked up. Um, They have really, really huge foreheads and look like cone heads. Um, But like, for the most part, this is like, these are the so-and-sos and they're aliens, but they look like us, exactly like us. Um, And so later on, they're just like, that probably wouldn't happen as much. So this one is, uh, looks kind of, fucked up about the you know the arm bits you know something's something's not quite right somewhere um mm-hmm. which i think is really fun um so and they're still horny most importantly they're still that's, horny that's, <laughs> that's star trek for you thing. that's star trek yeah what's um, star trek about well it's about um you know kind space. of coming together as a community it's about uh politics it's about you know kind of moral choices and who we are as people it's about being, um, it's about um, being horny. It's about um, being a horny on a holodeck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it's a very... <laughs> God, it's I about... love Star Trek so fucking much. It's about yeah. cosplaying Sherlock Holmes with your best friend. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then letting a holographic Moriarty gain sentience and, and leave the spaceship on a, like... Uh, what do you mean? What should I call it? Those little... Oh my God, I can't think of the escape names. Room? Not the escape room, but... <laughs> escape room shuttlecraft oh my god oh sorry i i have not seen this episode so this was me trying to backwards guess what this episode was about no no. based on things that you vaguely told me about it i thought you were trying to say like you (laughs) the escape room is the ship and they all have to get off no no i just wrote a star trek episode I can't remember if it's the same episode, but there's a, at least an ep- one episode where Data and Jordy are cosplaying Sherlock Holmes in the holodeck. Um, and Moriarty, they tried, like, let's make it harder because I'm an android and I'm smart. So Moriarty gains sentience and he, he, like, escapes from the holodeck. And then they have to get rid of him by, like, making him think that he's on a shuttlecraft and escaping the ship because that's the only way that they can get rid of Moriarty. Um, it's fucking awesome. I love Star Trek so much. Uh, Star Trek's very good. It's very good. Um, how about that Jim Carrey, though? Oh, God, okay. So, uh, <laughs> the bad side of practical effects is what they did to Jim Carrey in The Grinch. It looks very, very bad and very good in that technically uh it is amazing what they are were able to do to that man with makeup Mm -hmm. um he looks Mm -hmm. like the fucking grinch in real Mm -hmm. life it was not worth it because it is uncanny valley and i hate looking at him i've never seen that movie and i refuse to i'm Mm -hmm. madeline's the one who likes that movie i'm sorry madeline i love you so much and we i I we uh, we have agreed that i cannot see this movie because it makes me too uncomfortable to look at him because he looks too real and also, he spent three hours in a chair just getting that shit on. And that is not worth it. Not worth it. I hate 
hate looking at him. It's very, very bad. I, it's I also, so awful. I, I really do not want to watch that movie again. Um, I might. I hate the way his hands move. Be forced to. I hate it. I hate it so much. I, <laughs> I don't know if I've talked about this before, but like the only time I went to see that movie in the theaters because I was, oh, a, child. I was, I was a small child. I, I was but a small child. And I had wow. the only thing that I remember about it besides disliking it was that I had sour gummy worms. Um, and it made me so sick because I ate the sour gummy worms so fast inside the movie theater. And like that com- combined with like having to look at that um, was like one of the worst theatrical experiences of my life. I think that like, you know, <laughs> they're trying that to make it look like That movie is 20 years old this year. So is like my trauma. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> 20 years of trauma. <laughs> I, 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 what I wrote down here is true. I think that hell, if if you go to hell, it'll just be that you wake up in the morning and you realize it's five o'clock and you have to be on set in an hour because you're the makeup artist for Jim Carrey and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's 2000 or 2001 and you're going to have to do Mr. Jim Carrey's makeup. Uh, and, and he's going to be mean to you. Be responsible for what that is going to do to him and to you and to everyone. Um to society hell it's hell Um, that's where you go when you die if you're bad (laughs) i think i truly believe that and i think that also um that's the only belief system i have and i also think that like it's fucked up because they tried to make him look like a cartoon character and be like and really commit to that and it's like people don't look like cartoon characters though they're not supposed to look like that they're supposed to look like i mean not that (laughs) hey Um, Hey, you fucking remember the Cat in the Hat movie? Um, you mean do I remember the, the trailer on like the Peter Pan DVD that I have, which is the only footage from the Cat in the Hat movie that I've seen because I cannot see that movie or I will die in seven days, like the ring? <laughs> is he wearing makeup in that movie? Yeah. Is that I'm CG? Sure. Did they learn from their mistakes? No. No, he. Oh, I'm it, looking at the photos happened. again. I hate the way he looks. It he looks like the soon. cats from Cats. It, it happened this was too soon after How the Grinch Stole Christmas. They didn't have time to learn from their mistakes. It was in 2003. They had three to four years to figure no. out that it was bad the first time. No Tim time. Allen was originally cast in the title role, and then they That's gave scary. it to Mike Myers. Either way, it's bad. Either way, they would have. I think. I think arguably with Tim Allen, it would have been worse because he doesn't have the chaotic energy to uh, convince me that he is no. a, a cat wearing a hat. Yes. I, Mike Myers, I would believe that secretly underneath Absolutely. his human his human suit that he was that underneath. I would believe that. It terrifies yes. me to think about it, but I believe it. <laughs> yes. Tim Allen, I'm like, underneath, he's just like, you know, maybe he slips off his human suit and he's just his character from home improvement that's the extent yeah. to which i'm willing to believe who's <laughs> not human <laughs> yeah. we can agree that character's not human um this is a fun fact that wikipedia just handed me mm-hmm. following the film's release seuss's widow uh, audrey geisel is that how you mm-hmm. say the last name i think so yeah apologies to the seuss estate uh decided not <laughs> to allow any subsequent live action adaptations <laughs> of seuss's work to be produced yeah saving all of us in the process to which a sequel based on the second book the cat in the hat comes back was cancelled they were gonna do another one and she said no i must save all the people i will save all of their fucking lives by saying you can't do this shit anymore what if they tried to do that with like 
an adaptation of Seussical the Musical. Like, what if that happened? I Because like, I, I was oh. thinking of, like, before you said Cat in the Hat 2, I was like, what were they going to do? Were they going to do, like, the fucking Sneetches? Were they going to make, like, the Sneetches and get these They were going to do... And, like, elongate their necks and... <laughs> they were going to just... do... <laughs> they were going to do all, all the places you could go. But they were going to add, like, a fucking subplot about, like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, war, maybe? maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, what, fucks, what fucks me up is that I'm pretty sure the fish in Cat in the Hat is CG. Yeah, um, the cat is, or sorry, the, the fish is. Um, uh, I am fairly certain. Uh, if the fish is not, I have some very serious questions about the production oh, of that God. movie. I can't the look fish at looks it. real bad. Yeah, the fish looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna post in the Discord if I found it, but I actually can't do that too anyone um i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy god oh why does he look like that he doesn't look like fish nor man nor beast (laughs) why is i so big nor god nor the devil um oh boy howdy wow that's bad oh boy bad okay all right yeah. Um, so, God, how to end some Talk about a 2003 note. movie we absolutely skipped over in our 2003 episode. We just looked at that and thought, no. Wonder why. We blocked it out of our fucking memories. Wonder why. Um, to um, end on a, I'm trying to find something from Peter Pan, which came out in 2003, um, yeah, which would help us to end on a positive note. Um, oh, I, I have mm-hmm. a couple notes while you're looking that up. Um, sure. Things that we missed that I want to mention. One of them is that CG can be really good sometimes, because uh, the ghosts in Crimson Peak were real fucking scary. Um, yeah. And I think that would have been something that would have been hard to do with practical effects, and it was more effective to do with CG, because uh, it both looks like real and not real in a way that is very scary, um, mm-hmm. which is perfect for like fucking horrible hell ghosts. So. CG uh, is worth it sometimes, and sometimes you can have it with with practical effects. Were there practical yeah. effects in Crimson Peak? I don't remember. I don't think there was really anything that needed practical effects. So, I'm trying to find information on special effects in Peter Pan, and I'm just seeing pictures of a shirtless Jason Isaacs as Captain Hook, and that's not helping oh. me focus. So mm. that is distracting. Um, um, my last note was I was going to say bring back doing mechanical uh, puppet stuff. Because those are pretty sick, and they're cool to look at, and I love them, and I love to learn about them. And, yeah. you know, maybe my dream job is to run mechanical puppets for movies. They're, they're my best friends. I think friends. that'd be that, fun. That yeah. whips. You should do that. Yep. Um, when we were watching Jaws, I love sharks. Uh, have a fish phobia, love sharks. Don't ask me about it. I don't know. Um, but the entire time I kept being like, oh, it's my friend. I love the shark. My best friend, the shark. <laughs> And then the shark was very scary, and I was like, oh shit, that's scary as fuck, though. And then it would go back underwater, I'd be like, oh, my friend, my oh, baby. Where's he going? Where's he Where's he going? Where's he going? He's gonna go kill that buddy. Oh, the baby. Oh, he's gonna go oh, kill the shark he's baby. 25 feet long Oh, big, baby. Oh, big baby. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of my ending note, is like, that's not something that we really do anymore, probably because it's, like, super expensive and, and not super practical, if, if we're just thinking about Bruce as an example. <laughs> um, well, but yeah, God, do they, they... To walk water, too, but... Yes. Um, they, God, do they look good. And, do boy, do they hold up super well. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and I think that they did. I oh, mean, fucking Little Shop of Horrors. You didn't talk about that puppet. Oh, I didn't. No, that's just like one of many like fantastic. Not if that actually wasn't Jim Henson, but he said that he knew the people who worked on it, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, fantastic. Audrey, too, the big plant in Little Shop of Horrors is always a puppet in on film or on stage um mm-hmm. which i, I don't know how else you would do it i yeah i can't think of like yeah it would be stupid to do person. it any other way i don't know yeah um it would be stupid you're right yeah um oh shit what was i gonna say oh fuck uh puh audrey too is always oh i was gonna say um i was gonna say star wars um mm, mm-hmm. obviously their budget is through the roof um but mm-hmm. Last Jedi, bringing back Yoda for that one scene. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, when he that was a puppet, or at least it, it was, was a puppet it looks, with CGI in some way. Or? I think it was a little bit of. I think it was a, they filmed a puppet and then CGI'd him. Yeah, because he's a he's a ghost. So he's a ghost. Um, he's a that ghost. Was great. It felt so yeah. much more like Yoda. They um, learned from their fucking mistakes. Yeah, they're like this didn't work, did it? Which is surprising because Disney. I mean. Obviously, there's more than one creative voice on there, but Disney doesn't mm. usually learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Father Disney is a pretty tight fist <laughs> on all of uh, his properties. So, God, the fact that you call him that sometimes just <laughs> right messes with my brain. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to evoke a feeling of 1984. I'm trying to evoke a feeling of horror, which it works, yes. I think. So, the um, uh, yeah, Overlord. Yeah, our, our terrible overlord that they're trying to convince us is, like, familial and paternal. And I'm like, mm, no. Uh, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Puppets, Puppets good. are good. Love practical yeah. effects. Love love costume makeup, man. Mm-hmm. I think you could do some great stuff with prosthetics. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's about it. We covered uh, everything on the dock, basically, which we wow. never do. We always miss something. Uh the only thing we missed was you said something about American Werewolf in London, which I've never seen, so I can't say oh, anything yes. about it. But um... I I realized as I put that in there that like I mentioned that almost every single time. Um, the practical effects are. Let me see if I can put a do a quick Google search. American Werewolf in London, not just the. I would like um, to see it though. Yeah. Um, uh, dead friend, not just with <laughs> him, but with his dead friend. So part of the thing is not too big of a spoiler. Um, hmm. It's actually kind of a bit of body horror, so I excuse me for this. Um, I'm gonna I am gonna put an image in the Google Doc, um, and then I can delete it. Sure. His no, friend fine. is his friend is killed, and he haunts him. And throughout the movie, he slowly starts um, decomposing more and more, mm, like Macbeth. Um, every time he visits him, just like Macbeth. So he this is like. <laughs> When he first visits him, he looks like that, and it's fucked up, um, and it's like really, really graphic. Oh, that's gross! Holy yeah. shit, that's real bad. So cool. And then they, um, he just gets worse and worse, and like, um, I'm very excited to see this this final. Are you gonna post another one? I was looking for another good one, but okay. there's kind of a there's kind of a good one that I'll replace it with. Um, okay. But then also, of course, the wolf baby. Um, <laughs> just like comes to haunt him in the mirror and he's like just scared, just dying <laughs> fuck you he's like, wow Get here. Um, <laughs> you're not yeah. real it's fucked wow up. that looks cool um yeah and then there's this like this is just one part of it um the yeah it's all practicals with 
Mr. Mr. Werewolf, who's in London. Um, the mm-hmm. transformation sequence is just like his limbs elongating, and it's very simple, but it's um, also it's like, very really Teen effective. Wolf. Yeah, in, very uh, the original Teen Wolf movie. Very Ween Tolf, yeah, but not mm-hmm. not Ween Tolf, but actually Teen Wolf, Wolf, not Ween Tolf. Ween Tolf yeah. is the TV show. Teen Wolf is the movie. You remember yes. when we used to do werewolves almost entirely like that, where they'd have like kind of human noses and like fleshy faces, but then they'd kind of be fuzzy everywhere else. That was yeah. always real. It's real fucked up looking when they do them like that. Yeah, <laughs> real it's scary real looking. Up. There's this one. Uh, <laughs> sorry, this is an auditory <laughs> medium, and you can't see, but like <laughs> me yeah. when I wake up with athlete's foot. <laughs> Yeah, me when my hand falls asleep, yeah. Um, <laughs> his Fuck. limbs just get bigger and he's watching himself transform, which is horrifying. Yeah, which is horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. But very, very fun. Um, yeah, so American Werewolf in London. Um, I guess the point to round this out is just like, special effects are fun, man. Um, yeah, man, they're so cool. Not to be a nerd, but they're pretty fucking cool. They're very, very cool. It's cool to know how they work and to yeah. uh, talk about it and and to watch it be used in a cool way to, to help the story along. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess, is that it for this week? I think that's it. I think we had a good, good solid episode. <laughs> well, that'll be up to all of y'all to decide, I suppose. Um, no, I've decided it for you. This was a good episode. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, everybody go and write this episode five stars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for hanging out with us here on Sneeple at the Movies from the Infinity Break Network. Check out infinitybreak.net for more awesome content and come hit us up on Twitter at people underscore snake. Um, I believe all of our usernames are on the bio for that one as well if you wanted to, you know, follow us on our individual selves on Twitter as well. Um, or you can shoot us an email at sneepleatthemovies at gmail.com. Uh, our amazing music was done by Johnny Ronaldo, who you can find at at Johnny Ronaldo on Twitter. Our snooper, our sn- I did it again with the snooper snazzy. Snooper <laughs> snazzy. Two times I've done this recently. Our super snazzy logo was designed by Bethany Luthold. You can check her out at bethanyluthold.wixsite.com. Um, if you've got a subject you want to hear us talk about or a movie you think we absolutely, absolutely uh, need to see or your favorite Doug Jones role that you want to share with us, come say hello. Um, if you can, please leave a review on iTunes and share the show with any friends who you think would enjoy. Um, anything that you can do still at this point to let other people know, as we said, I think not last episode, but the last time I recorded an outro, um, podcasts are still a very, you know, person to person like you share it with them and then like it's not going to be shown in movie theaters thank god our our, just our audio (laughs) in a movie theater (laughs) um so anything to help spread the news um on a sort of like community theater level in a way um Mm -hmm. would help us very much and we really appreciate it um and as always thanks for listening and we'll see you at the movies